The strongest stars have hearts of Kaiba. I'm going with the force of forces with me. That's not how the Force works. Well, that starts somewhere. Welcome to the KyberCast, everybody. This is episode number 29, recorded on December 4th. My name is Joe Becker, and with me is my good friend, Michael Diaz. Michael, how are you doing this week? I am amazing, as always. How are you? I'm actually just crazy today. There's been a lot going on, and I, I honestly haven't had time to do a lot of things, so I'm probably going to sound a bit haphazard on this particular podcast, and that's why Michael's here, because he's always grounded in reality, sometimes his own reality, but he'll, he'll keep me in check today. <laughs> I, a lot of stuff's happened this week. It's, it's, I, it's always interesting to me thinking, like, what are we going to talk about? But something always drops or something happens, and we find a way to figure out to talk about something. This week, what intrigues me is two spy movies coming out. One is an icon that's been around forever. And And the other is a latter one. Yeah. (laughs) And the (laughs) other is somebody who is becoming an icon that, uh, you know, played with everybody's emotions in Endgame, and that's Black Widow. So two trailers dropped this week, one for James Bond, one for Black Widow. James Bond is No Time to Die is the name of the film and Black Widow is just Black Widow. Michael, what what's your thoughts like on let's let's go into James Bond since I I I feel like there's something there that will transition nicely into Black Widow and you know James Bond has been a character that's been around for quite some time that I would say more people know James Bond as casual fans than probably Black Widow. Yes. Maybe 10, 20 years ago. I would say right now, the bigger star with the bigger cachet is Black Widow. I mean, uh, little kids know who Black Widow is. Little kids do not know who James Bond is. Yeah, but there's also uh, the OK Boomer generation. <laughs> there is the OK <laughs> Boomer, and of- we know both. But I'm yeah. saying, you know, I'm not an okay boomer. Don't, no, 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 no. We're sorry. not boomers. That's right. We're Gen X. We, we yeah, despise both the millennials card. and the okay boomers. <laughs> 100%. Well, the okay boomers aren't going to the movies in the rates that Gen X, uh, well, not millennials. Millennials aren't going out and doing anything. They want to sit at home. So, yeah, once again, we're supporting everyone. <laughs> we might be biased, but Gen X really is the best generation, but we don't care. Right. No, but back to James Bond. Um, I I still think the general population will knows that person more than Black Widow, and that's not really why we're here arguing today. But that's okay because you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know. I I saw the trailer. I watched it a couple times, or maybe just once. Maybe just once. Mm-hmm. Whereas I'm going to tell you right now, I've probably watched the Black Widow trailer like ten times already. But Bond, uh, it looks like a Bond film. That's well. Did you so? Have you followed the um, Daniel Craig series? You've missed him some, right? I've only missed Spectre. So you're telling me right before we got on to broadcast and record, whatever you want to call it, I said, yeah, I had not seen Spectre yet. I I I like James Bond. When a Christmas or two ago, maybe a couple three, there was some Blu-ray package that had all of them through Skyfall and I bought them. So I own them all on Blu-ray except for Spectre. That's the one I'm missing. Right. Um, I loved Casino Royale. I mean, it's very obvious that Bond took a turn to emulate the Jason Bourne movies to a degree and made them edgier. Um, But I love Casino Royale. Well, have you, have you read Casino Royale? No, I have not. Okay, so actually the movie reflected more of the book, way more, because Bond was way more edgy. And that, that book is, even though it's written, I can't remember the date, but it's... it's, it's back when, in the when 60s, it was written, wasn't it? But, 
No, earlier than that, I believe. Um, but anyways, I'm, I'm not even going to look it up. But at the end of the day, 50s, 60s, somewhere around there. And the book's really, like I read it, uh, it's not a very long book, but it is, it's it it's more punishing to Bond than the movie was. And he is much darker in that. And I'm fine with that. So that's what I would think a spy would be more like. But let's, let's face it, you know, he got very Hollywoodized, uh, you know, throughout his tenure. I mean, Connery, one of the best Bonds, I'm not going to get into the whole argument as to who is the best yeah, Bond right here. That might be a different show. It might be when we get closer right. to the movie, maybe we'll get into Definitely that. he's he could possibly be the best Bond, but he's definitely one of the best Bonds. But then you switch to Roger Moore, who was a Bond that, you know, didn't he was a little cheesy and didn't seem to want to get dirty. I mean, yes, we had Lazenby in there too, but we're not going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so 1953, I did look it up. Okay. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the, the so the Casino Royale with Daniel Craig was, I believe, the third film adaptation of Casino Royale. Probably. I don't know the history. I know they did a TV version that was kind of more comedy, where several different people played James Bond throughout the course of the film. Anyhow, not the point of this podcast. The point is, love Casino Royale. Eh, Quantum of Solace was all right. That's the worst one of Yes, it's definitely the worst. And then um, uh, uh, Skyfall. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. So I I can't speak to Spectre, obviously. You say it's fantastic. I Very, don't doubt that it, it is. It is. It's, a, it's really, really good because you have to see it because it gets into a little bit of his history more and who he is. And well, that, also, this is what intrigues me about this particular movie, um, No Time to Die, because there's a lot of people in this that have been in the other one. So the thread, there's been a thread through these Bond films that the other ones didn't have. You know, recurring characters in terms of like villains and backstory stuff that keeps coming up for him and who he is. And like, I'm actually excited to see Jeffrey Wright back in this because he was in Casino Royale as the, you know, the American um, CIA. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he's in it. And Christoph Waltz is back in it, obviously. And, uh, and he's fantastic, which is, and that's why Spectre is so great. No, I, I appreciate that they've actually tried to establish a more proper franchise. I mean, yeah, we saw some characters like Jaws appear in a few movies in the past and whatnot. Right. But you're right, there was definitely a much more straight line through with these films. Even And even they kept Dame Judi Dench as M initially. I mean, spoiler alert, right. if you didn't see Skyfall, that's when she dies. Right. Um, God, that was a good movie, though. It was. It was so good. Um, and then, of course, that's when uh, Ray Fiennes became M. Mm-hmm. And um, I can't remember her name as an actress, and I apologize, but uh, the woman that became Money Penny or is Money Penny. Oh yeah, she yeah, was great. She I believe. Great. I don't. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. She was in um, Danny Boyle's um, Twenty Eight Days Later as well, and she was fantastic in that. Naomi Harris. Yes. Oh, she's, she's the good. actress. She's good. Yeah. Now. So I, I'm sorry that I can't speak to Spectre. It's just one of those movies I always meant to see, just never got around to seeing it. So this will probably goose me to see it soon. Uh, you're saying it's good. I, I believe you. Um, like I said, Christoph Waltz is always fantastic in most everything he's in. We won't talk about you know Battle Angel Alita. But anyway, mm-hmm. maybe it's because I haven't seen Spectre that I'm not super hyped for this one. But it looks like a Bond film. And it looks enjoyable, and I don't know if I'm, I'm eager to see it in the theater, but I guess I'll wait to hear what the buzz is. Right. Well, I got to preface all of this conversation about Bond is I am not a Bond fanatic. I'm not a Bond um, authority. You know, it it was something I like to watch. I never really cared for Roger Moore, but when I was a kid, I did like Moonraker for some reason. I thought that was good. <laughs> Maybe it was Jaws, but I mean, you know, I think I had a birthday party that went and seen that movie that I went to when I was a kid, but I think back, but you know, I I do like Daniel Craig has brought me to the films more than any other Bond. I mean, I've watched the Sean Connery ones and they're good, but as a character, it's, it's an interesting character. How can they bring him into, you know, 
what's happening now in our society and the way, you know, Bond is an interesting character is very misogynist. If you look, if you read the book and some of the books and obviously the films were, you know, back in the past were very, well, yeah, I mean, and, come on. It was, it was mad men with spies, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Right. And, and that's not what it is anymore. The world's changed. And you can see that in the preview of this one where he's got a partner or, you know, he asked her, you're 007. So obviously they're, they're, yeah, they're getting, yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. Yeah. They're, they're double, they're getting into newer territory of what, what it means to be bond and what, what's taken away and what's not taken away. And, and from that franchise, but I, but to me, what's interesting is that it's coming out right before a month before black widow and black widow now is the ultimate spy, right? It's like the heroic spy and, and, um, it, it's just interesting where we've come in time. And I, I, you know, obviously I'm way more interested in black widow personally, uh, but I will go see the bond movie and I'm excited to see time to die. But I, I just, I'm, I, I just find that there's a nice, you know, dichotomy between these two movies coming out within a month, month of each other. And I'm curious, you know, was it United Artists? No, who uh, MGM is who owns the bonds right bond rights, and they spent a lot of money to get Daniel Craig back because he did not want to do the film. He was done. Well, but he was still contracted for one more. So they no, he wasn't. They they no, he, he was contracted for three or for four. He did his four. Mm, I'll look that up. I'll take your word for it right now. But this, no, I remember. Is, I do remember an interview with him. This is definitely saying the that last he, one though. Oh, for sure. He's done. He, did, he didn't want to do this one, but then I think a script came around and money and he wants to do other things, you know, which is understandable, but he's, you know, it's hard to make these bond movies and something, and if you don't want to do it, obviously it's something he didn't, doesn't want to finish. But that being said, you know, Scarlett Johansson here, she is finally after she gets spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen end game and too bad if you haven't. Um, she dies in Endgame. <laughs> right. And the irony is now you get your full film after you're dead. So there's nowhere else to go. And we've talked about this on an earlier podcast about what we think is going to happen. Um, they're going to pass the baton, so to speak. To well, let's um, let's talk about um, that trailer. Then, what was your first reaction to the Black Widow? Which trailer? one? Um, good. It was a good reaction. I I don't think I seen anything that I didn't think I would see. Oh no, because. You know, we kind of know the the unfortunate thing is we kind of know some of the story, but um, I did like that we think they're sisters because they they get into this area and then they fight and they've got this family table, which well, is you know uh, the, the, something about family. Well, like you, you're going to know more than I do because I don't know the story. Well, let's 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 before we dive into it. So I, I noted that with the Bond trailer, I was like, all right, it looks interesting. I'm interested. I'm not hyped. But I'm like, all right, this looks good. Like I said, I need I need to go watch Spectre. So maybe if I watch that, I'll rewatch the trailer and see if I get more hyped. But Black Widow, I have to admit, I mean, it's a Marvel film, so I look forward to it. Yeah, that's why it's pulling me in. I don't think there's anything in the previews that make me go, holy crap. See, I I wasn't expecting a lot in that. I'm like, all right, we know we know it's going to be a spy prequel movie of sorts that it's going to take place. Before Endgame, but sometime after, well, we know now it, it takes place basically right Infinity. after Civil War. It takes place. Oh, was it Civil War, not Infinity Wars? Yeah, it takes place uh, after Captain America Civil War. So, um, I was, you know, of course it's a Marvel film. I was, you know, I was into it. I didn't know how into it I would be. I was kind of like feeling like the Ant Man level of into it. Like, don't get me wrong, I like Ant Man, I think they're fun films. You know, I think I've said before, I actually enjoyed the first Ant-Man movie more than I enjoyed Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, mm-hmm. that said, I was, you know, my my excitement level was, you know, it's always a bit higher just because it's a Marvel film. But I didn't expect when I watched the trailer to like it as much as I did and then go and watch it over and over. And probably 10 times in the last 36 hours it's been out. I've probably watched it that many times. So I am super hyped for it and I'm really excited and I wasn't expecting that. Hmm. I want to see it. I know I'm, I'm hyped cause it's a Marvel thing, but I'm not, 
I'm just not, there's so much going on and my head's probably not in it today for the busy day that I had. So I haven't really had spent a lot of time to digest and, and that's fine. either one of these trailers. Because honestly, so Shay, my partner, she has been asking for a Black Widow movie in our younger girls ever since I think mm-hmm. the first Avengers film. So that was seven years ago. You know, probably even before that because she showed up in Iron Man 2. But after Avengers, they're like, well, why don't we have a Black Widow movie? Well, here we are seven years later. Unfortunately, my girls have moved away from the Marvel films. They're not into them as they used to be. They'll go see this. But here it is. It's out. And Shay's like, it's seven years, maybe too late. And she watched the trailer last night with me. And I was super excited. And she's like, yeah, it's just okay. So she's kind of had your same kind of approach. I mean, yeah, it's Marvel, but she's really not that hyped for it. And I'm, which is just weird for me because I don't know why I'm so hyped for it. Man, it doesn't matter why. It's good. I know. But so let's, let's get back to that thing. You said, you know, her sister. Well, let's, let's do quotes, sister. Yes. We see that there's reference to family in this, that, you know. Well, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing it's not blood. No. It's by proxy, by proxy for sure. Yeah. So, you know, it starts out with this theme of family. And we see in the trailer, you know, she starts off by saying, you know, and, you know, I, I started having no one. And then, you know, I got, right. I got a family. And, you know, there's references to her in S.H.I.E.L.D. That was her family. That's where she met Hawkeye. And obviously his family became her extended family. And then the Avengers happened. And that was more of her family. And then she sees her quote unquote sister who, I mean, we've got a small glimpse of this in, again, Avengers Age of Ultron of her training what they called the Red Room. And we saw right. several young women training in all the same way. So I'm assuming this woman who we know is Yelena Balova, I believe her name is, um, is from that same assassin school. So that's how they're mm-hmm. quote unquote sisters who, spoiler alert. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this will spoil it for you. So I won't say. I won't. No, I know where you're going. I know the story. In the comics. Yelena Bolova replaced Natasha as Black Widow for a period of time. Right. The original right. Black Widow was back, but I think you and I both are assuming that this is going to be the passing of the torch. I would assume so, yes. Which makes sense. I mean, unfortunately, there's this double standard in Hollywood. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth in his 30s, but he's probably going to be Thor for a while yet. Um. You know, um, Robert Downey Jr. is in his 50s. Well, into his 50s, he's somewhat retired, though. We're hearing he's going to appear in this movie. Whether it's a scene from a previous Marvel film they're going to put in here, or if he's actually filming a scene, I'm not sure yet. We haven't heard for certain, but he is listed as being in this movie in some way. So, um, what I'm saying is, you know, Chris Hemsworth, he's not Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, he's in his 30s. He could keep doing Captain America movies. Unfortunately, Hollywood likes to get rid of females once they get into like their mid to late 30s. Uh, unless you're Jennifer Aniston or Helen Mirren, a lot of times they get the boot. And it's wrong. I don't think that's what's happening here. I think you're pulling the wrong card on this one. I'm not saying that was. I don't think, I don't think she wants to do it anymore. And that way may very well be, but their player, the person they're replacing her with is 23. So if they're going to, you know, Marvel's already got at least seven, eight, well, if not 10 more years so ahead of time, let me ask, you know, projected into the future. So why not bring on someone that's Let me ask you a question, though. What about the, that character in the comic? How old is it? Is it is it the same age in the comic? Uh, I don't recall. I, th- I do believe the newer Black Widow is younger. But okay, comics, so are, different. comics are different, him. though, is because doesn't matter. I mean, comics, Peter Parker's only aged maybe, what, eight years since the time he became Spider-Man in the comics. He's, you know. Sure. He's in his mid-20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s at this point. So, at max, in the last 60 years, 40, or sorry, 50 some odd years, he's aged in the comics maybe 15 years. Well, I guess what I'm saying is that Scarlett Johansson does not look old, period. I mean, it's not. I well, don't I'm not think saying that's, that's it. About, I'm not, but I, I know what you're saying. But. You know, it, you know, it doesn't hurt to get a 23-year-old that can do and play the role for at least 10, 15 years, right? 
And I'm sure at a tenth of the cost right now. Oh, yeah. I, I can guarantee you that uh, I don't remember the woman's name, unfortunately. Let me look here. Or oh, Florence Pugh. Uh, I can guarantee you she's not making the $15 million a picture that Scarlett Johansson is. Right. Now, she might be in the next three to five years. But for right now, no. But who knows? What's interesting to me when while we started with Bond and now we're in Black Widow, is this the general? Is this could there be another Bond after this, or is is Bond on the way down because of what's where we are culturally, and and Widow on the way up because where we are in the Marvel world? Um, and what I mean by that is, I think, like I said earlier, I think MGM is betting on this Bond to to do really well because that's basically. You know, I don't know what other franchises they have, but he's not coming back. So they, this is a last hurrah with Daniel Craig. It's also a last hurrah with Scarlett Johansson for the foreseeable future of what Black Widow is. Which one is a real end? You know, is when they recast Bond, you know, there'll be a lot of talk and there's even people saying it should be a female. And I'm just like, you know what? No. Well, I mean, the big, Bond the is big Bond. rumor is that. His female co-star in this, uh, I didn't catch the actress's name. I, I didn't look it up. I'm sorry for not doing that, and that's on me. But the double O that we see working with him in this movie, there, there is a rumor that at the end of the film, she becomes 007, and she's the next Bond. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm not trying to be like, you know, um, I guess it's chauvinistic to a certain way, but like this is the character, like, Black Widow is a, like, I wouldn't want Black Widow to be a man. I see that. And I don't have a problem with that. I mean, why, 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 why would I want that? The, the whole point of that, that particular character is that she's female. And like, you can, it doesn't go the other way around. You know what I mean? It, it, no one would, I don't know. Well, like just write a better character that happens to be female or happens to be male. Don't try to, the gender swapping of, of comics in general, I don't, it doesn't do anything for me. It's like, it's almost like a bad lie. It's like, Oh, here you are. You, you, you know, um, you know, you want more female, female, you know, heroes. So we're going to swap the gender for this one. And now it's the hero. It's like, okay, well that's really not doing your work and creating a great character. You just swapped it. That's why black widow was great. It's always been black widow, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm coming across the wrong way and I don't mean to, I just like, well, I don't necessarily. Do I, I don't necessarily as, do use, to, just, use a, to use a to, to use a Michael Diaz thing. It's hackneyed. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't necessarily disagree with you on Bond. Now that said, you realize that you've made a lot of arguments against now Natalie Portman as Thor. She's not going to be Thor, Thor. She's going to be able to wield the hammer and probably take on the persona for a while. But, that you know, she's not going to be Thor forever. Guarantee you that. Well, no. But just like the comics, if you follow those, mm-hmm. she became Thor. She wasn't wasn't like Beta Ray Bill, someone that could just lift the hammer. She became fe- female Thor. She still went by the name Thor. And it was more that Thor wasn't just the name. It's also the it's the title you get when you you know wield the hammer, Mjolnir. So like Captain America's Thor. No, because he only used it for a second. Oh, well, I don't know. She is going to become Thor. Right, I know. I, I'm not, and it could be fun. It could be great. It doesn't mean I don't know. I just think it's an easy way to. to it feels a bit like pandering. That's what I, I guess the word I'm saying is like, oh, we're going to pander. Like instead of like doing due diligence and writing a great new character. Well, here's the thing. Do that. There already is a character out there. So not to get too far off topic, but have you checked out this new show on ABC called Stumptown? No, I haven't. Well, the only reason I mention it is because Stumptown originally was a comic um, written by Greg Ruka. And Greg Ruka is known for writing very strong powerful female characters. And that's what you see in Stumptown. Now, the reason I bring that up is not so much for Stumptown. Yes, it was a comic, so it falls within our realm. But Greg Ruka also created a comic book called Queen and Country that stars a character named Tara Chase. 
She is a minder. In other words, she works for MI6, just like Bond. Okay. Now, it's not the, you know, let's face it, the Bond movies up until, I mean, not Casino Royale so much, but the gadgets have always been a part of the movie, right? It's one of the more of the fantastical, fantastical elements of Bond. You know, Absolutely. It's right. just part of the Bond. That's just who it is, how he is, how the films are. Now, the Queen and Country series of comics and novels um, takes a very much, very much a real world approach to how spies actually work. I mean, it's hard for a spy, an MI6 agent in Afghanistan, to get their hands on a gun. You know, things like that. Right. So... Right. If they wanted to do a female bond here, or in other words, not necessarily do a female bond, but if they wanted to do a female take on an MI6 agent, there's no better source material than going to Queen and Country and adapting that. So I see what you're saying there, and I agree with you, because I would love to see something like that on the screen, because it's then it's their own character with their own strengths and weaknesses. Um, that said... Um, and again, I, I believe, I, I feel that Bond should remain male as well. But with MGM, with really this is kind of like their big property, there's that old adage that there's no such thing as bad press and they would get tons of press if they switched 007 James Bond to a woman of color for the next film. Will they actually do that? I don't know. But they would get tons of press. Now, press does not always equal ticket sales. No. As we saw with Snakes on a Plane and other such films, Godzilla, yada, yada, yada. But I can see the appeal there just because, but, you know, it could be pandering. Now, all that said, done right and written well, I don't see why a female Bond couldn't work. I'm just saying it'd have to be done exceptionally well, in my opinion, for it to work. And why add that added risk when you can just take Queen and Country out of the box, adapt that, and make it a movie? And there you go. So I agree. I have to agree with you, but I kind of see MGM's point too. Does that make sense? Well, I mean, sure, makes sense. But like, like you said, press doesn't equal tickets. I, I mean, I would prefer to see Idris Elba become Bond. Oh, he'd be fantastic. A hundred percent, a hundred percent behind Idris becoming Bond. I would definitely line up for that. Like, who else could be better? Like, that would be... He, he would be fantastic. I mean, he would just be great. Is that... and? But is that... So, as Bond nears its end... And I, I do think it'll be some time before they have another Bond movie after this. Well, that's the thing, too. Do you think... Are they going to totally reboot with the next one? Or are they going to... I think they'd have to. I think it'd just start over in something different. I don't think you'd take this person's... This Bond. This is the arc... I assume this is going to be the end for this particular Bond's arc. Yeah, but um, you know, I mean, he never never dies. They rebooted him. They I mean, they're not pulling they're not pulling any stories from you know the the um you know the golden golden eyed era or anything. So I know, but my yeah, my, my point is, Casino Royale was a complete reboot of Bond. It was it was the first yep. Bond movie, right? It was a re, it was a new origin, which was never made. Well, was never made really from the early one, like they didn't start the Sean Connery one with Casino Royale. They had the, um, prior to that, I would think it was done with, um, the first bond guy. I forget his name already. So like I said, I'm not an authority Connery? on bond. So about Connery? Connery was not the first one. He wasn't. No. Um, I can look it up, but you know, he was not the first one. Um. Oh my God! It's like George Lazenby or somebody Larrabee. Oh, George Lazenby was I, I after Connery. Lazenby. Sure. One hundred percent. See, I could be like again. I don't know. There you go. Then I don't know. Again, yep. I don't know. On His guy. Majesty. But I think that's what yep. Lord George Lazenby appeared Imagine. in On His Majesty's Secret Service. Secret Service. And there is actually a scene where at the beginning of the film he hits on a woman and she runs off, and he looks and says, "Never happened to the other guy." Referencing oh, Connery because okay. he was always so suave. Okay. Now, let me throw this out there real quick. I because Casino Royale, we just said we agreed. Yes, it was a complete reboot. However, M stayed the same. 
Judy Dench was in the Pierce right. Brosnan films and she carried over. Right. So right. I'm just saying, is it going to be a complete overhaul that's completely clear the deck? Because I have to admit, I like the new Q. He's younger and I don't know. Yes. Yeah. He's, he's more now. I mean, obviously, the Q from the 80s and 90s is dead. So he obviously can't come back. And, you know, he was getting pretty old in the last couple of films he was in. But the new Q, he really fits well. And I, I like his uh, his demeanor and his interaction with Bonds. I would like to see him continue. Uh, I do like Ray Fiennes as M. I mean, but that's not, you know, that's not the end all be all. Be all but anyhow, I, I think they could carry some elements over. Who knows? But like I said, if, if they go with a black... I shouldn't say black, a woman of color bond. I could see them carrying more things over for that stability, if you will. But who knows? That said, I am on team Idris. So what, what's really drawing you? I know we're jumping back and forth. That's kind of the point of this podcast. That's, you know, because we didn't really have a pure linear path. So jumping back and forth, because as we talk about this conversation leads me to other things. What's what, what is it about the black widow trailer that is, making you see it watch it 10 times like tell me why well i have to admit the born esque action with the fight between natasha and elena that got me and i'd like to see more of that um i'm, I'm kind of itching for the born movies are some of my favorite spy movies and mm-hmm. i i could watch those all day I, I love that kind of the first two are good the rest are basically the same whoa, movies so. whoa 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 uh, the third, well, the third one's the best by far, in my opinion. I mean, I would argue that most of the Bond movies are the same movie too. Right. It's not that I know, just, but I, I like I mean, it. I like, I like that quick action and the hand-to-hand combat. It's just oh, I love it. It's and it feels grittier and more real than Bond did previously. So that was a draw to me because Bond seemed kind of old school and with you know Pierce Brosnan brought his own take to Bond and it was good. Like I said, I loved GoldenEye, but. He there was a little bit of that not getting yourself too dirty kind of like Roger Moore right. aspect to it. So all that to say, um, I, I liked flashes. I mean, I saw one review somewhere that basically said the Black Widow is born again, B O U R N or B O U R N E. You know, get it born again, and I thought that was clever, but it yeah. is true. But another thing that really got me excited, and I didn't expect this either was seeing the Taskmaster, Taskmaster show up. Now, I knew he was in the film, but when they showed him pop up shooting the arrow, I was like, all right, that's kind of badass. I'm into that. Do you, I, what about you? Well, David Harbour's character oh, yes. is pulling me in because I think he's going to bring the comedy. He's, he's going to bring the Ant-Man, ironically, to this because it looks like he's going to be the comic relief in some way, shape, or form. I could be wrong. Um. I don't think you are. But, I mean, the whole fact that they're teasing him for being fat—that's yeah. obvious. He's going to be—he's going to be the comedic element. Yeah, um, I think it's going to throw people off on who he is. I don't know that story very well. You know, you've talked about it. Before. He's Red Guardian. He's basically a Soviet version of—he's the Soviet attempt to create a Captain America. Right. So the fact that he's fat. It's it's funny. It shows the failure of, right? <laughs> of the Russian. Communism failed because they have a fat Captain America clone. <laughs> right. So, I mean, I mean I'm, look, I'm interested. I'm, I'm really seeing where it's going to go. I hope it ties into the universe. And, you know, um, obviously we can't have any more Black Widows because she's dead. So. Well, you know what? Here's okay. Let me throw this out there. Yes, she is dead. But I saw something in a press release, or maybe it was an article about this, that it said the movie, or at least most of it, takes place after Captain America Civil War. Now, you know it. I know it. We saw Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow die in Avengers Endgame. And we also know they tried to bring her back. At least the Hulk said he did, and he couldn't. She is dead, dead. But we also know that a multiverse is coming up. That I know they already talked about it in Spider-Man Far From Home. Right. And it turns out there wasn't a multiverse. But we also know that Marvel likes to plant seeds 
And that even though the multiverse wasn't real as far as Spider-Man is concerned, I think there really is a multiverse. Plus, we already know the next Doctor Strange movie is called The Multiverse of Madness. Right. I wouldn't be surprised the way Marvel's already said that WandaVision is going to tie directly into the new Doctor Strange movie, as is Loki. Right. Because they're going to be talking about right. multiverses and all these other options. I'm going right. to tell you right now, when the when Black Widow is over, I would not be surprised if there was some stinger that revealed that she was actually still alive. Or maybe not still alive. A version of her is now in the MCU proper. That she came back in a fashion. Do I... So, by that... T- so that means if you look for the future of both of these spy movies, that you're more likely to see Black Widow come back than I'm James. Potter. I right now I would say it's more likely we will see Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow again before we see Daniel Craig as Bond again. So let me throw this at you too as a, as a different take um, because I want to get into Mandalorian too. We're running short of time because I want to make sure we cover Chapter Four. Um, is MGM are they tied to any streaming network? This is a good point. Do you know, this is a this is a good example of I should have done some kind of research before we started recording this podcast. We did, and I'm yeah, we didn't. So it's been a it's been a crazy week and a lot of stuff going on, but we're still recording, so it's okay. And if people, this is a great thing for uh, anybody that listens that wants to call us out on any of these things, you can message us, you know, through Instagram or something. But it, do you know if MGM has any streaming or do they just go right through Netflix or something? I do not know. I cannot properly say. And I don't want to waste too much time. I'm fervently checking their Wiki, Wikipedia no, page. And I don't matter, think they do. The, the point is, like, James Bond would be a great streaming series. Would they sully instead of these would, movies? Would they sully though? Because they make a fair amount of money with this, so I could see them doing. We'll find a out. James Bond related TV show, like not necessarily 007, I don't know, but maybe some other Double O or other members of the organization, the Double O organization. I could see that. I mean, they did talk about after Halle Berry was in the. Pierce Brosnan one where she was Jinx. They talked about making a Jinx movie and that obviously never happened, but they talked about Very it. Very smartly. So, 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 um, yeah. I, I, so we'll find out who wins the box office war between these two. My, I, I'll put money in black widow. I think it's going to pull more of you, but you never know. You never know. Always been uh, on black. Well, we'll know. I mean, reviews after the first week, you'll know, right? If 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 things get better, they'll they'll do it. But if you know, if it's not a good movie, I mean, I know we want to get into the Mandalorian, but let me just say that, dude, no matter how good or bad this James Bond movie is, even if it's fantastic, a part of me will still wonder what we would have gotten if we had gotten the Danny Boyle Bond movie that was supposed to be. Yeah, I don't worry about that stuff. Oh, come on. There's a lot of stuff. I'm a huge Danny Boyle fan, though. And he may get the next one. Who knows? Um, I think he had a shot. You never know. I mean, it's like right now the whole internet's going crazy for the Schneider cut of, you know, justice. So Yeah, my response to that is you can't polish a turd. Uh, who knows? But yeah. Well, you didn't see it. You can't call it something if you don't see it. I hate that. Um, do that. All it is is a different edit of what we already got. But you didn't see it, did you? Uh, Justice League? No. Okay, then you can't comment. I can comment <laughs> you, all I want. Till you I see have, these movies. I can have any opinion I want. You can't polish a turd. The new Black Widow movie sucks. Okay. Well, you don't know that. I don't know that. It could be great. You we still don't know what's so You have to watch it. No, you can't have a you can't have a opinion that it already sucks. You can have an opinion that I don't think it's going to be good, but you can't say that it sucks if you didn't Fine. see it. I will at some point go watch the Justice League movie just so I can say you can't polish a turd. Great, then that's fine. <laughs> All right, good good place to end that particular conversation. Let's get into uh, 
and the reason I think this is going to be a kind of a shorter take on the Mandalorian chapter four is as predicted on last week's episode for us that we thought they would take a little breather room. Um, it's kind of reset the palette for the show because basically we went through the first act and that's what we got. We got a, a, I would say a slower episode. This is to me, if I had to wrap this episode up in one take, it's, it was the A-team version of the Mandalorian where they go, you know, and he, he finds some people and they help this village and teach them how to fight and come back. It's been done a lot of times. I liked the episode. I liked the episode a lot. Um, it's, it wasn't my favorite episode, but I didn't hate it. Um, I think that this particular episode was the first time it actually felt more like a TV show than than the other three. That That's my quick take on that. What, what's your quick take on it? My quick take on this is that I finally realized my problem with the Mandalorian series, with this episode. Oh, here we, here we go. No, I still like the series, okay? It's, it's a fun series. I enjoy watching it, but it's not perfect. And this no, nothing. There is no perfect. Well, I don't know. The Shield is one of the most perfect TV shows ever. I'm going to give you that right now, but not related to the geek topic we're talking about. So, um, yeah this this episode for me highlighted what my problem is, what my issue is with the series so far, and I won't get. In, I'll, I'll get into that when we're ready. But you just asked what my quick response was, and that's what it is. Unless you want me to tell you right now what my issue is. (laughs) Well, yeah, go ahead. Here's my issue. Um, There's too much shorthand or too many shortcuts in the place of where there should be drama, where I think maybe these episodes would benefit from being longer or if maybe they took some more time to let these stories breathe and flesh them out a bit. For me, for example, uh, the whole hint, hint, quote, unquote, romance between the Mandalorian and the young widow felt completely unearned. Yes, we saw a little bit of, you know, she, you know, was, she was into him. You could tell. And I don't think he was into her. So I don't know if it was a romance, but go well, on. It wasn't I know so much going. a romance, but. You know, and then after they beat the bad guys, you know, there's a scene almost immediately after like, well, we've been here for weeks. Like, what? It seems like it was the next day. So, well, we've been here for weeks. And then, you know, uh, Gina Carano, I can't remember her character's name. I'm sorry. I can always just see her. Cara Dune. Cara Dune. Thank you. Um, She's like, you know, hey, you can stay here. You've got, there's a young widow, you know, you could have a life here. No, no one's going to look for you here. But what what about their interaction during that episode would even give you any kind of any idea that that would be something that would be even mildly interesting to him? It was just they're taking some shortcuts that in the drama part, and it's 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 causing I don't know missing beats in the story. I think. So I I agree with you on, on this particular one for this particular episode. I don't think that happened in the other three in terms of the drama there were, because the other three didn't really get into this kind of like emotional connection to other people. So I think there are hints of um, it, and that's why I you know that's why I haven't given a single episode yet an an A because there's there's something missing and I couldn't identify what it was, and I think with this episode that. That it was so glaring in this that I think now I want to go back and watch the others to see if that's exactly what the case is. But I think that's the issue I have with this series. Now, I say issue, I don't dislike the series, I don't hate the series, I enjoy it, and I can't wait until Friday where I can watch another episode. I'm just saying, as far as criticism goes, this is is my criticism of the series, yeah. To me, it that happens in there, but this this particular episode was a we knew was going to be a little lighter. And it was. It was nice that they brought back, you know, the um, it's not an AT Walker, but ATST, uh, ATST Walker, yeah, ATST Walker. Um, you know, and they had kind of like this creatures that came at him at the beginning of the show, and I mean, this trope has been done a lot, where they this kind of people that can't fight, and you've got the lone gunman come in. I mean, see, of 
there's a few Clint Eastwood movies like High Plains Drifter and um, Pale Rider. You know. Oh, you know what this reminded me of immediately? Uh, uh, the Seven Samurai minus Five Samurai. Yeah. Right, and that's all those tropes happen where you teach those yep. people to fight, and you just got to leave. And and that's cool. What I do think, though, and I again, I I I the benefit of watching the way Dave Filoni brings things together. I think the actual point of this particular episode was meeting Cara Dune. And I think what, what, what's going to be, what's going to happen, I think towards the end of this, if there's time is that he's almost putting together his own Avengers. I think somehow Quill will come back. I think Cara Dune will come back and they're going to forge some kind of mini tribe together. And maybe one other character that comes up in the future that we haven't seen yet. The next thing that there might be four of them. Maybe it's IG 11 again. You know what I mean? He's made these characters. And I think they'll all be something towards the end, you know? Right. I can see that. I can definitely see so, that. You know, I have to admit the beginning of the episode fooled me when it first started. I thought that it was a flashback. Just the way it was, you know, something about the way it was, and maybe it's just my own idiocy, but when they showed it, I thought the way they focused in on the eyes of the little girl after the attack and then mm-hmm. they survived the attack, I thought, and then when they showed Cara Dune in the bar, my immediate thought was, that's the little girl all grown up. Oh, uh, yeah, I could see that. I, I didn't, but I could see that. But then obviously that was not I the case. So. That. I got a little ahead of myself, made some assumptions. I was obviously wrong. I like, don't get me wrong. I like the episode. And for those of you that watch The Good Place, it was kind of funny to see Pillboy in here. Uh, I don't. Do you watch The Good Place? Mm, I don't. I saw the first ep- uh, series or season, there's a minor so. character that's shown up a few times called Pillboy, and I was like, okay. when he came on the screen, I was like, that's Pillboy. That was all. It was just funny. It took me out of the episode a little bit, yeah. but it was it was fun. It was a fun way to take me out. It was also a good episode. Like, you know, you got to remember who's building this thing, right? This is still a Disney show. This is the one episode that there's a lot of kids in, you know, and that kind of thing. This is a very family-oriented episode. So I think it's really – if if I watched this probably with a 10- to 12-year-old, they probably would look at this differently. Like, you know, the way the kids interacted with the, the child instead of saying Baby Yoda, but the child. Yep. Uh-huh. And, you know – so there's a lot going on there, you know, just him eating bone broth makes everybody like, oh my God, you know, that kind of thing. So this was a, the more Disney, the more, this felt more Disney, a little more lighter, but we knew that was coming. I mean, I'm, um, I mean, the next episode coming up on December 6th, this Friday is, is again, directed by Dave Filoni. So I'm looking forward to something going on there. So I did like the fact that be interesting. It was, you know, and it's written by. It's also written by Dave Filoni. Oh, really? Well, this next episode. So, yes. This last episode was actually uh, directed by Bryce Dallas Howard. Right. Um, I will say this. It was interesting that the Mandalorian was going to leave the child behind, but then obviously right. found out there's still some kind of tracker on him. I don't know how yep. they're tracking him. Obviously, he could not get rid of it. But it showed right. that there is no rest for the wicked. You know, he he can't stop now. Right. He, you know, someone's going to be looking for him no matter where he goes. Right. So it it adds so. to the plot. It adds to the tension of the show that we know he's always he's going to be on the run until he's not. Yep. Yeah. It's going to be. I, I mean, I, I the show's great. It's getting better. Um. This was a, I say getting better because I think there's, there's other things that phone is me working on. It's pulling this together. I, I kind of see this thing coming together again. I'm, I'm extrapolating, but um, no, I see what you're saying. they're, they're the putting episode, the chess pieces on the board right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying this is a, I don't want to rank. I don't want to get into any negative, but it, you know, it's definitely a dip in the series, this particular episode, but I think it's the first time he talked a lot too, you know, yep. so he, he, he had a lot more um, dialogue in this one. And I think that's what threw things off too. Cause like before he barely say a few words and now he's having conversations, which is odd for all of us. Right. He's, he's been so, because, you know, short spoken. Then all of a sudden to have him have all these conversations. It, it changed him a bit. 
it did. It humanized him more, even without taking the helmet off, you know? Right. But I did like learning about that, like saying, well, there's no, they're not going to come kill me if I take it off because I can never put it on again. It's like you lost your pride, you know? So that, that was some nice knowledge when she asks what happens when you take off your and helmet. And helps to you prove know, they know, it's not like, why Django and yeah. Bobo were not real Mandalorians. Well, no, because this whole thing is different. This the Mandalorians had their helmets off. If you watch Clone Wars, they had this was not part of the lore. Never mind them. So this this, this is, is all new. This is all gotcha. something after. This is all something after whatever the purge is. Gotcha. Because that's that's something that the Empire did um, at some point, which so is coming up. That's in this what season we have to of the Clone Wars, is it not? That's called the Siege. Oh, of, my bad. My of, bad. Of Mandalore, and that is in the Clone Wars era. So. See what do I know? This is this is why I should watch Clone Wars and Rebels. Well, this is what I'm for. This is what I'm for. If this particular part of the podcast, you 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 know all the comic stuff, and I know all the. <laughs> there we go. The Star Wars stuff. This is why it's not just a Star Wars podcast, and it's why it's not just a comic book Marvel thing. This is this is why we're different than other, I would say, Star Wars type podcasts. And better. So. I don't know. Maybe not better, but (laughs) maybe more entertaining. Different. Different. I don't even know that. We'll find out. (laughs) That being said, if you want to tell us what you think, please do. And you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Just look up at KyberCast. You can leave messages through Instagram. Um, That's an easy way to do it. Or you can email us and all that good stuff. Where else can they find us, Michael? Well, of course, you can find us at KyberCast.com. Our new episodes are, are they, well, we put them there. We have links. We have uh, ways to listen. You can comment there as well. You can also drop us an email, kybercast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. But uh, like Joe said, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. The thing that does us the best is if you could give us a review on Facebook. That is really what gets our name out there. And hopefully gets an Apple podcast. Apple podcast sure. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a five-star review, okay, give us a four-star. I'll take that. Maybe even three. But just leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because that expands our reach as well. Not that we expect to really make any money at this, but we enjoy interacting with you, the listeners. So leave a review on Apple Podcasts, leave a review on Facebook. or If you just want to contact us, like I said, you can email us. Uh, you can tweet us. You can leave comments on Instagram. We comment and reply back uh, pretty regularly. I would say we haven't. Uh, there's no one we haven't replied to, and probably no one we haven't replied to in less than an hour or so. Right. We're socially active. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's going to be it for this week. This is episode number twenty-nine. Thanks for listening, and just remember, we're almost two weeks out from Rise of Skywalker, so a lot coming down the pipe to talk about. And we hope you listen in in the coming weeks. We'll see you, everybody. I have spoken. What a piece of junk. Shh.